Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Podcast. I'm Lane Amon, and I am here with my trusty sidekick, Tim Conley. Tim, how you doing? Oh, so I've been relegated to sidekick this time. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we'd take turns. <laughs> What's up, Lane? Oh, lots of stuff. And we've got a great topic today. And I was I was just thinking about our topic and thinking it comes at a very good time. Our topic today is talking about membership sites and the different types of content, five types in particular, that membership owners, membership site owners can provide for their members. And membership sites, one of the big things about it is the need for constant contact content, constant content, (laughs) (laughs) not constant contact, that too. Um, And so, you know, I think you come into it with real excitement and you're ready to go, but then after a certain period of time into it, the, as the owner, you kind of, your enthusiasm can, can, and energy and ideas can start dropping. So I think it's a great topic for us to be talking about today. All right. Awesome. So what are the five types of content we're going to talk about? Well, the first one is self-created. And do we want to give a brief um, overview of these or just list them and then go back? Yeah, let, let's list, list all five and, then, and okay. then we'll go back and talk about each one. So number one, dun, 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 self-created. Two is paid content. Three is licensed content. Four is user-generated Five is guest created, which is a type of free content. And then we have a subcategory called expert interview, which fits into a couple of the categories. So we wanted to mention it, but we didn't think it was it was um, different enough to give it its own separate category. So it's it's kind of like Pluto on our list. It's not, it's not strong <laughs> not, enough not, to be its own planet, <laughs> but we wanted to include it on the list. <laughs> well, you know, I, one of the things I want to bring up, you actually, I think, did the very first uh, sound effects for for the Foolish Adventure show. This moment goes down in history. <laughs> we, we don't have any of that fancy uh, mixing board stuff where we drop in sounds. Elaine <laughs> does the sound effects for the show. And I'm available if anybody needs help. So <laughs> I should open a, an account on Fiverr, right? <laughs> right. Okay, let's let's talk about the first one. Self-created, just like my sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the the whole self-created thing. Th- this is what everybody thinks of when they're when they're talking about content. You know, that they're like, okay, I'm going to train on this. And to a certain extent, you you have to if you're in the how-to field. If you're you know doing cake decorating, people kind of like paying for people who are showing them, you know, uh, paying an expert who is showing them how to do something special with with uh, that niche. That's what everybody goes to first. You know, we're going to just create the content. One, you, you talked about how a lot of people kind of run out of steam with with doing this. 
Right. I think it's really, um, it is the first stop for people because they think I've got all these ideas, I've got all this content maybe that I've created already, and I want to put it into a format that people can consume on an ongoing basis. And whether it's blog posts or um, audio interviews that you've done or webinars you've created, um, videos, whatever it might be, it could be any kind of media. Um, but that's kind of where you start. You think, okay, I've got this stuff. I want to get it in people's hands. And, and uh, you think about creating it yourself definitely I think I think it's it's kind of an easy way because there's you, you have control over it you you know it's going to get done when you sit down to do it there so there there is a lot of uh, benefits to having your own self-created stuff I, I think I think where people get the burnout is where they try to create too much content they're mm. they're like trying to generate stuff all the time they're trying to do their posts on their blog and uh, maybe do a podcast maybe they're doing training and then they they need to come up with other creative stuff that they want to keep push, shoving into their membership site mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing i think that can really wear you down because it eventually just taxes your creativity Right. And I think it ties into one of our previous podcasts on scope creep, where if you offer it one month, like you say, okay, I'm going to start doing a video every month for people, then you you slowly ramp up what you're offering people and you kind of commit yourself to it. And then suddenly you've got a video that you're offering them, plus five um, content, you know, text content so a month, and plus a webinar, and plus this, and it all sounds good, and you might really enjoy it the first time, but come the 10th or 11th or 12th or 100th time that you're creating this, you either run out of ideas, as we mentioned, or you just, you, you're spending all your time creating content, and uh, not, and that may not what you be what you want to be doing. I, I think it's not just the, you know, what you would want to be doing. I think you may even burn out your uh, members. Mm, I think that's such a good point. Because if you're feeling burnt out, then they're probably feeling it too. <laughs> because you're you're putting way too much stuff in, in front of them to try to consume. Right. And that's something, I mean, when it comes to content, something to remember as a, a membership site owner myself that I keep reminding myself of is, of is more is not necessarily better. Because the last thing I want to do is overwhelm my members so they feel guilty because they're not um, consuming the content I, pre- I present to them or where they feel so overwhelmed they don't even want to open another email from me because it's one more thing on their to-do list. So it really is a, a fine, um, fine balance between giving them enough to justify your price point and not overwhelming them with too much. So you burn them out and burn yourself out. I, I just got a call from the business journal saying, hey, would you like to renew your subscription? <laughs> and I told them, no, you know, I canceled it, oh, gosh, almost a year ago because it, it just piled up. The paper just kept piling up. Right. Uh, and they're like, oh, you know, would you rather have subscription to the online? I'm like, no, I, I, I never check the site. Like if I've got a magazine <laughs> subscription, I don't like Fast Company, love Fast Company, never go to their website. Right. I sit down, I read the magazine, and then I chuck, uh, chuck the magazine into uh, Recycle. Right, and, right. And that, that's essentially how it goes. I, I never check out the site. Probably be better for the environment if I did, but I, I just don't. And, and that's what I told them. It's like, you know, this thing's coming, and it's just stacking up. I don't have the time to read, uh, read it, and usually there's only like one or two articles in it that I like anyways. So it's starting to stack up. Why would I want to keep that? I felt guilty because I had this stack of papers mm-hmm. that I was—I knew I was never going to get to. <laughs> so why should 
to keep paying for that. And and that that's kind of the thing. It's like you got to make sure that you're delivering uh, when you're creating the content. You know, you need to make sure that you're uh, walking that balance between your own creativity and uh, making sure you don't swamp your your members. Yep. And if you think of yourself as a, a curator too, where you're looking for really the high quality information to give them, that one um, 15 minute audio could be and a worksheet could be worth the whole month's um, membership subscription price if you give if you're giving them useful useful information not just filler and right. everybody appreciates that it's easier for you as a site owner as well as easier for them because they're getting exactly what they want in a digestible format very cool so should we move on yeah, to number jump two? Let's to number two. All right. Number two is paid. And this is kind of the, the, the um, natural next step, I think, after you've burned yourself out on self-created. You think, who can I pay to create content for me? And uh, why don't you hit some of the, the places that you could go to get paid content? Well, I think there's a couple of different kinds here. I think you could consider paid content would be anytime you, you've hired someone. So this could be someone who works in your company. Uh, you could have someone uh, on staff who's generating content with you. I, I, I would technically call that paid, even mm-hmm. though though it, that borders on the whole self-created too, since it's coming from your company. But I, I think because you're out, you're, it's coming outside of you, right? That that and and it's costing you actual cash. So we'll we'll say that. But then you can actually hire writers, uh, freelance writers, to come in and create content. Uh, not not just writers, but people can do videos for you, video training for you. They can do this, and and I would say the difference between this and the one that we're going to get into, which is licensed. The difference is you own the copyright. Mm-hmm. After you've paid for this, you own it. Right. Uh, you don't have to, you know, renew a license. You don't have to get permission to publish it somewhere else. Uh, it's yours. Right, and you don't have to worry about either five other sites having the same information, or your users coming, your members coming to you and say, "I just saw the same thing over XYZ site because it is created original content specifically for you." Right. Right. And and I think that's pretty important. Gosh, I, I, it's kind of hard to have this discussion without talking about uh, the the licensing side. Mm. Um, for, well, for me, anyways, because <laughs> my my uh, my brain's just kind of jumbled this morning. I, I would say there's this idea of uh, in internet marketing PLR content. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that? Private label uh, rights. rights. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people see that as, oh, you know, that's a quick way to make money. You just buy the rights to reprint these uh, either ebooks, maybe videos or something like that. And unfortunately, they're being sold to thousands of other people. Mm-hmm. It seems like a good deal when you're paying 20 bucks for like 30 ebooks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, isn't that a great deal? <laughs> But the person who created those 30 ebooks, they're trying to make money, and the only way they're going to do that is if they sell thousands of these rights. Mm-hmm. And since they're all within the same niche, that can quickly just saturate a particular right. market. 
Right. So, right. so I'm I'm not a big fan of using PLR for uh, for your own content. Say, let's just hit some of the advantages of paid content, and just to summarize that one, an advantage, obviously, what we're alluding to here is that you it's unique. You have more control over the quality because it's commissioned specifically for you, and um, and sometimes it's even something in house, so so you have direct responsibility for it, and even even greater ability to control the direction of it. So, and the downside would just be that uh, that it costs it, it, you're paying in dollars. Um, do you see any other disadvantages to paid content? I I don't think so. I, I think that even the fact that it costs money, I don't see that as truly a disadvantage. Uh, no, because uh, I mean it's time it, for money, right? It's, right. It's resource either way. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're either trading your time to accomplish the content, or you're trading your dollars to accomplish that content. So I wouldn't really call it a disadvantage. It's just something that you have to be aware of that you right. you have right. to make sure that it's profitable. Right. You know, you don't exactly. want to pay. You don't want to pay a whole bunch of money, which which is kind of funny because I, I just went through this whole process of making a free product. And it's cost me, uh, th- this is probably one of the most expensive <laughs> products I've ever made. And and I'm going to give it away for free, uh-huh. uh, which is just silly uh, right. that, that I spent this much money on it. I, I, was, treat- I was treating it more like research and development. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was doing something completely new to me, to this industry. And so I thought, okay, it, it's it's hopefully going to be worth this expense. So right. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time on a, on a free product. And that's something you, you have to be very conscious of, the content that you're making. So you have a monthly membership. If you're paying for content, you have to make sure that by the end of the month, you still made a profit. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something that can get out of hand really quickly when you're paying for content. If you start doing, uh, trying to create more and more content, you can quickly wipe out your profit. Mm-hmm. So is licensed content then, did you see that transition there? Uh, that, that, um, that's better than my transition. <laughs> is that a way to keep control on the dollar costs? As, would you see that as, as a solution to that, that worry about overspending your budget? I, I think I think so because uh, one, it's going to cost you. Uh, typically, it's going to cost you less to license content mm-hmm. than it is to pay for original content. So, how do you make sure you get quality licensed content? Because that's the biggest concern I hear with people who are licensing content. That's it's you know they get thirty eBooks for twenty dollars, but they're not written in any sort of resemblance of English other than maybe there's a few common English words in there. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you get stuff that's quality when you're licensing it? It's a matter of actually seeing the content before you buy it, you know, making sure that you're dealing with a reputable company. And I'm not saying that people who are selling PLR rights are not reputable. It's just that their business model is based upon giving out the cheapest possible content at a cheap price. So really high quality licensed content is going to cost you money. And right. and I've done this with a Foolish University where I, there's a lot of newbies coming in and I promote using WordPress. So I needed mm-hmm. to make sure that there was high quality training on how to use WordPress in there. And I really considered making it myself. Then I found this other company that actually licensed their video training on how to use WordPress. And I checked it out and it was really good. 
it, it it went through everything and and it was well edited and all that so so that just it just made sense so I I, I then had to look at well how much is it going to cost me mm-hmm. uh, will this be profitable for me and since it, since it was a one time licensing fee it was an easy decision because I could I could pay for the one time licensing fee put it into my membership site and now anyone who needs a training just goes through um, I think it's like nearly 20 videos and and by the time they're done they know how to use WordPress uh, they can they can tweak it and, and really do things with their uh, WordPress website how do you suggest that site owners present content that's either paid for or licensed to their members? Can they just claim it as their own and say, hey, look what I recorded for you last night? Um, In some cases, written word obviously is easier to claim as your own. And when you buy the rights, you have the right to do that. And if you commission someone to write it for you, you have the right to do that as a ghostwriter or whatever. But, um, you know, assuming that it's not obvious that it wasn't created by you, how, how do you suggest presenting that to your members? Well, it, it depends on the license agreement. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the videos that I licensed, uh, they had a couple of different levels. One was you got a non-branded video. Then they then another one that you could pay more for. You could edit the videos. Then you could put your own you could put your own intro and your own outro onto it. So so like you could brand the video yourself. They gave you the raw file, so you could go in and brand it as if it was from your company. Right. So you could you could do that depending on which licensing you picked. I didn't pretend like I made these. Uh, I, I told the members. This was the problem I needed to solve. I mm-hmm. had to make the choice. Do I make it or do I find someone else to create it for me? And then I found these videos. And here, I license them for you. I'm all for honesty. Just open up mm-hmm. front. I didn't, I didn't make this, but it's really awesome. And I, pay, I paid money to get it. You know, So, so and- I value it and hopefully you'll value it too. So it's either the quality that I would do if I did it myself, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z for you, or it's better than I could do for you. So that's why I'm bringing them in to do Right, it. right. You never want to bring in content that's less than what you would do. Right. You, know, you never want to do that. That's why, that's why I kind of, when I say PLR, I'm kind of talking about that, that low quality stuff that's out there mm-hmm. and, and, and how I differentiate between calling something licensed content versus PLR content. Right, just to distinguish right. that there. So, what about um, like uh, text documents where it's it maybe you buy a set of of high quality they're still high quality articles and you have the right the rights meaning the legal rights to present them as your own. Would you just still always be very upfront with your your membership uh, base to let them know that that you didn't create it, or is there a time where you would have someone either paid or licensed? create something that you would claim as your own. I, uh, I mean, that sounds so awful, doesn't it? You claim it as your own. Well, um, <laughs> uh, which, which, which I wouldn't do. Uh, and that, that's, right. that's my own personal thing. You, uh, but this, is, this isn't a, like a moral kind of thing, right? Because yeah. you have right. the right to do it. Yes. You, you've paid for the right, so you can do it. I think it's more right. of a, a connection with your members yeah. where you're saying, uh, I'm going to produce high-quality content for you. 
And so in, in this case where if if I got some someone else's content and I had the right to change it and claim it as my own, uh, like I could have paid for those videos and uh, where I could have branded the videos myself. Mm-hmm. But even then, I would have still told members that I didn't make the video. Right, uh, right. Uh, I, I would have been upfront with that because they're going to uh, hear the person in the video doing the screencast and say, that's not Tim. Uh, you know, uh, that that's not Izzy. That's not Lane. That's not anyone I know. Uh, that's a right. part of uh, the the whole foolish adventure thing. So, right. uh, th- so where is this coming from? That yep. that's going to stand out. So when it's written, when you're talking about text stuff, it's simple to make those changes. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is people get used to seeing your writing style if if you do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. And people know how bad I write. So if if uh, they see something and it's well written, <laughs> they're, they're like, ah, uh, what, what, uh, he didn't he didn't write this. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I am. That, that I, I'm a I bad writer. This. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I agree with you. You're a rotten writer. No, on not claiming that thing. Even if you have the legal right to do so, not claiming content that you did not create as your own. I feel really strongly about that. Like when I hear about people who hire a social media manager and they're single entrepreneurs who have somebody else tweeting for them as themselves, that really, that really, um, is a disconnect for me on the authenticity scale. And, and, uh, I don't see there anything wrong with saying, Hey, Sally sometimes writes for my site or Sally sometimes will answer your tweets, but you'll know because she'll always say, this is Sally. You know, just, I mean, it's such an easy thing to do and still maintain the the relationship and the authenticity. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, so, so I would say uh, like like that, you either credit the person who wrote it uh, or or if it's something where it's kind of uh, delivered to you in, in more of an anonymous fashion where you don't mm-hmm. you don't have an author to credit. Right. Uh, I would go through and uh, and anything with like PLR or anything like that. You definitely want to make sure it's going to be your quality. And so maybe you go through a text document and edit it, and mm-hmm. then you would say edited by, you know, Tim Conley. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- uh, so then, so then you would you're still not claiming the uh, that that you created the content, but that you've been through it, you've made some changes right. to it, and. And so uh, that's that's how I would do it. I wouldn't call myself the right. author of it. I would maybe say, I, you know, I edited it, edited the mm-hmm. paper or something. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Good. Anything else on license before we move on to number four? Uh, just just that there's all kinds of content you can license. I think that's a really good point because people do immediately think of ebooks and articles, as you were mentioning. Yeah, well, in in the internet marketing space, right? Because mm-hmm. that that whole mm-hmm. PLR thing so popular. Uh, uh, you can license videos, which which I talked about. You can license audio. Uh, you can license uh, trademarks. You can license you can license all sorts of things, uh, images and Graphics, stuff. Right? Uh huh. Photos. Yep. Right. So so there's so many things software. that you can do. Yeah. Software. You yep. can uh, and even do private label software. So where you're able to change your name on it. Uh, one shopping cart allows that. As yeah. as a reseller, you can get a reseller account. And then private label one shopping cart as your own as your own shopping cart. And this is where we have to offer a, a caution, though I think, because when people hear about all these things that are available, they start immediately thinking, "I could do this and this and this." And this is where the overwhelm comes in. Just because you can license it and offer it, make sure it makes perfect sense to your members. That it's not just like 
my my site is a scrapbooking site. And if I suddenly come and tell people, hey, I've got this pack of 47 um, internet marketing buttons, buy now buttons that I'm going to give to you guys for free, it just doesn't make sense. Just because you can, make sure you're offering them what they will use and what they really want. Uh, well, yeah, with, what they would value. Yes. Yeah, th- th- that's yes. the big thing because you're you're trading value for value, uh, b- that, mm-hmm. and that's that's the basis of, of all business: value for value. Uh, you're giving value to them, and then they're giving you dollars back. They're giving you value back in the form of cash. So right. you always have to be conscious of that. You yep. know what? Uh, if they're going to give me money, I better make sure I'm giving value worth more than the cash th- than they're giving me. Right. Okay, let's hit number four, which is one of my favorites these days, user-generated content. And that's kind of a hot topic all across the web, I think. I think that's kind of the heart of the, the web 2.0 or um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> having, having your users create it for you. So um, do you want to start out? Do you want me to give some examples? or? Um, I, I've got a rant on it. So okay, go, you, good. You Why know, don't you go? No, you, oh. so that may take us like in a whole different direction. So <laughs> let, let, let's have you give like real content first. <laughs> okay. So to use my scrapbook site as an example, once a month I put up um, – a, a sketch that people can follow for um, for a, a scrapbook layout. It's like a map or a recipe, and um, I could offer. Uh, I could people create layouts based on that sketch, and they add it to our gallery. That gallery right there is user generated content. But I can also pull images out of the gallery with the permission of my members, and that that goes into your user agreement and things like that. I can pull them out and highlight them in in our membership blog and say, look at how. Susie used um, ribbon on this layout and use her her content instead of coming up with it on my own. Or I could go even a step further and ask her to write a tutorial on how she did something and post that for memberships, um, for members' consumption as well. And uh, I would be involved with editing and helping her format, making sure the quality was what I was expecting. But I wouldn't have to actually produce the content. Then there's then there's the kind of content that you have that where it's like a forum. So, so for, forums are user, uh, basically user-generated content. You may have moderators. You may even be a moderator where you're kind of keeping conversations alive or joining into conversations. But essentially, those conversations are user-generated content. They were really the first kind uh, on the old uh, bulletin boards. Uh, those, those were like the first forms of user-generated content. And, mm. and people were coming to those things. So the site owner, you know, the bulletin board owner had this as, as a valuable communication tool. Then, then it progressed into kind of what we have now, uh, where you have like Facebook and Twitter and all that, which is all user-generated content. Right. A lot of companies are using user-generated content as a way of not uh, investing in value. So, so they're like, oh well, we we're just really a platform, but we write our licensing agree our our terms of service as a way that we essentially own your content. Hmm. Uh, so Twitter owns your content, uh, even though they claim that you know they're not going to steal it from you, and and now they're finally trying to give you tools necessary to export your content that you've put up there. Facebook. Uh, claims that they will never keep your content from you, but they 
the, the they have global distribution rights that are so broad that uh, they essentially own your content also anything you put on there mm. so really the uh, you're the product in some of these user generated sites with with uh, Twitter and and Facebook, especially Facebook and MySpace, back when it was popular, you were you were the product. So, right. uh, so you were the one going in and building their business so they could sell advertising and make money from your activities. But mm-hmm. with like my friend Dan Andrews, he's done a very good job of user generated content with his membership site, uh, Dynamite Circle, which I'm a member of. It's limited to only experienced business people who can join. Mm-hmm. And and so the the quality of the conversations is so uh, so high on a lot of topics that it just keeps bringing back the members to want to join in with conversations with each other because th- uh, even other experienced business people are learning from these conversations, mm-hmm. and he so he's also a part of it. He's curating the content, so it's not just uh, user generated. He's also going through trying to pick out the the best of the content to then make sure his members see it. So if you're a site owner and interested in using user-generated content for your membership site, what are your suggestions then or your guidelines? Are you saying, one, make sure that you as the owner are also part of the conversation or um, is there more to it than just that? Uh, I I don't know. I think it's it's maybe a little too nuanced for uh, mm-hmm. and and I don't think I've thought deeply enough about it mm-hmm. uh, in in how in how best to use it. Uh, like, well, should you should you as a site owner be involved? Uh, I I think maybe in a in a forum situation. And I was having this conversation with Ellie yesterday about about forums and how, or even uh, comment sections on a lot of websites uh, deteriorate into these uh, vile uh, hate fests. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, the, the, the onus is on the site owner. You know, the, right. the site owner, if they don't moderate, if they don't censor their site, then it's going to degrade. It, it just is. You know, one, once you give a lawless environment... There's certain segment of the population that's attracted to that, and mm-hmm. and it gives them a a, a platform in which to uh, be a vile person, which the, which you know in in real life they probably are not like that at all, you know mm-hmm. the uh, being anonymous and and having this platform. So so I say e- even if you're going to do something that's just uh, solely user generated in in a forum. You need to still be involved as a moderator to essentially police your user-generated content so that it's not that it doesn't degrade that you're that mm-hmm. that it stays at a high enough level to to keep the people who are paying engaged. Something else I think there is making it really clear to people what what the product is because hearing you talk about this, I remember being paying to be part of a membership group where I assumed that the the guru who was selling the group would be on this board with us answering questions and giving us support. And it turned out that she never checked in at all. And it was just us trying to, you know, the blind leading the blind. And I was really, I felt misled. And I also felt like it was a waste of money because we were all kind of in the same situation. And, and there was no there was no oversight and there was no involvement from her. Instead, she sold access to us, 
when we, we thought, or I thought, and several other people did too, I know through conversations, we were getting access to her. So I think it's being really clear there, like with the Dynamite Circle, um, that you're getting access, to what you're getting, you're getting access to other high-level business owners. I will also be present to help curate the conversations and answer questions or whatever it is, but just being clear what you're offering. Right. Yeah. Dan was really clear. He was saying, I'm also a participant in this because he, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm creating this just so I can be surrounded by really smart business people, right. <laughs> you know, and, and everybody knew that going in. That, that, yes. that that's what they were getting. What they were getting was access to other people who were building online businesses. Well, so, some of them are offline businesses, but they're all like high level business people. So you can come in and uh, interact with people and not have to be, if you are a, a business person and you don't want to spend your time answering newbie questions, you know, uh, so a lot of those don't exist on the, on the site. So, so that's... Right. Uh, that's what he was selling. But then if you have like, like Foolish University, I, I couldn't say that, you know, I couldn't go, oh yeah, you know, everybody just come in here. This, it's a learning environment. It's meant for learning. Right. Uh, so right. there's going to be people of all different levels of uh, skill and experience and knowledge. And I have to be very involved with that, where I can come in and answer questions at at all different levels but the nice thing is is as more and more of the members get more experience they're able to start answering other people's questions now right and they they have experiences that i i and i keep telling people you know the stuff you know is actually really valuable and don't feel like you can't just share it on the university because there's some things i don't know anything about there's been this whole discussion about s2 member i've never used it but there's a lot of great content on how to use S2 member as a membership plugin for a WordPress site. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's there. It's great content. I created none of it because I don't know anything about it. But in other se- segments of the forum, I'm deeply involved in it because I'm there as you know the instructor, the consultant. Mm-hmm. But one of the new things that, that's been coming into Foolish University is that a lot of people are they're, they're like, hey, yep. I, I know something now. And, yeah. and so I've had a member who uh, trained on uh, article marketing. I, I taught him uh, a framework for article marketing. And then he went and started using it and like created a whole system as to how he goes about doing article marketing. It was perfect. And so it's like, okay, we need to bring this to the other members. And just recently, one of the other members, she uses StatCounter on her site and not just Google Analytics. I don't use StatCounter. So she explained how she found someone trying to steal her content and how she was able to track this person's uh, online behavior using StatCounter. And to prove that, you know, this person was trying to steal it and that she didn't feel bad when she kicked the person out of her site. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, so you know, she created content. So there, that's a new form of uh, content, uh, uh, content creation beyond, say, forums and and tweets and little updates on Facebook. This is actual, you know, video created content by by users of the site. Mm-hmm. Do you find that users will come to you if they want to do something like the um, the 
the member with the article marketing um, process that he developed? Or is it something where you as the owner will see something going on and then say, hey, how about you do a seminar for us on this or do a, a teleconference I, or something I, like I that? ask. You know, I, I've asked mm-hmm. both, uh, both of those uh, because – I think a lot of people don't want to step uh, like maybe they're going to step on my toes. I, I don't have an ego like that, you know. I, mm-hmm. I am not a guru. I'm I'm a I'm a business consultant, and <laughs> you come in and I just want to help you build your business. That that's it. If this if somebody has knowledge that I think is awesome, I want yep. I want that out there so that it can help build uh, build the other members' businesses. So I ask, right. but I'm hoping that. As people get to see more of uh, the other members creating this user-generated content, that they go, hey, you know, that that sounds pretty awesome. Hey, Tim, would you like to have this? I know this thing. And, and, you know, probably yes, you know. It's most likely going to be yes because you know something I don't know. That's great. Okay, are we ready to move on to number five? I think so. All right, number five, for those of you who weren't taking notes earlier, (laughs) was guest created, um, where you would um, invite a guest or a guest would, um, would, would contact you about creating something for your, for your membership site. And I've actually never done this. So, so Tim, can you talk a little bit more about this? Well, guest posting, I've done it. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Other, uh, other people do it all the time where you get your content on someone else's site. Right. I think what I should say is I've never done it for a membership site where people were paying for access to the site. I've done it on on my blogs, but um, never in a membership site setting. My friend Brendan Tully, uh, an Aussie who does business uh, consulting in in Australia for local businesses, does a lot of Facebook work. And he essentially created guest content. He did an hour-long training on uh, on the strategy and motivations of using Facebook for building your business. And so, yes, I, I, I completely forgot about that. Sorry, Brendan. But yeah, uh, uh, I, so I have used it and, and I have plans for, for more of that because there are a lot of experts out there who would love to share their knowledge with other people. And, and so that I would say that's guest, uh, guest content there. Now, why would someone who has an expertise in a certain area um, provide content for free for a membership site, realizing that you're getting the dollar value of their their expertise? Can you explain a little bit about that? What's in it for them? Um, a lot, I think. Uh, exposure mm-hmm. and practice. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like Brendan uh, does do speaking to local businesses in his process of trying to find clients you know, his, his prospecting. So he does, does these presentations, but this was a presentation not related to his market. So, okay. uh, so it was still great content. It was still the right things that people needed to know, but it wasn't his market that he was used to speaking to. Right. So one, he gets some practice, but he does get exposure. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he gets exposure to the members who, if, if they want to proceed further with Facebook, uh, using Facebook, and they know Brendan is an expert on doing Facebook advertising, well, maybe they'll want to hire Brendan. Right. Okay? And, and here I am talking about Brendan Tully of the theSearchEngineShop.com. <laughs> Thanks, you know, I'm gonna, even more exposure right, so, so here I am giving him props in, in a show that's going to reach thousands of people 
So he's mm-hmm. going to get even more exposure. So maybe he put an hour and a half into this presentation. Mm-hmm. But he's going to get the exposure, hours and hours of exposure, and reach thousands of thousands of people over time uh, due, uh, due to you know, investing that hour and a half into creating content for someone else. So it's a passive marketing stream for him. Yes. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I would, it's, it's just like if um, Women's Day magazine calls up um, an expert like Dr. Oz and says, Dr. Oz, can you create an article for us or can we interview you on the top four, whatever, hottest health trends? And he does it because even though he knows they sell the magazine because he's getting that exposure and then maybe they'll buy his book and watch his show and, and you know, it's, it's just marketing for him. That makes well, sense. Well, th- this kind of gets us into that uh, why I wasn't really a key- mm, keen on mm-hmm. having an expert as uh, expert interviews or anything like that as its own category. Because right. when you have an expert coming in, sometimes you're, you are paying them. Right, you know, okay. Sometime, sometimes okay. They, it is paid content. Uh, where, mm. where you pay somebody to come in and do, uh, do content for you. A lot of magazines, if you publish a magazine, most of the people in that magazine have been paid. Maybe mm-hmm. not a lot, but, uh, and where some get paid a lot of money, but you do get paid. So, mm-hmm. so in some business models, you are going to have paid content. In, in others, you're, you're probably not. My friend uh, Joe Polish, he has an interview series. He has a, uh, it's, a, it's a membership site in that it's a subscription model. So you get an interview every month. And, mm-hmm. and he has like business people from all levels uh, in, in all kinds of different areas and even things that are not business related, health related, things like that. But it's all related to how to help out business owners. You know, you can't be mm-hmm. successful if you have no health, that sort of thing. So, so he has the, this monthly interview series. He doesn't pay those experts to come and talk. Mm-hmm. But then, then I see some other people who uh, say like on, like what you were talking about with, uh, you know, having Dr. Oz putting in an article into your uh, magazine, that's most likely paid for. You know, they, they mm-hmm. probably paid and it's maybe even licensed content. Mm. So where they've licensed to be able to publish it in their particular publication. Mm-hmm. So so that that's why I, I, I didn't really want to give like expert stuff its own category because it kind of falls into a lot of this uh brendan was an expert but a guest uh you know guest content so how would you distinguish between guest created content and an expert interview what's that dividing line for you the involvement of you as the host or the site owner yeah i think so uh where the uh, site owner is doing the interviewing process i would say that that's part self-created and part expert created Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and then maybe you have someone else do the interview Uh, so then so then it's uh maybe falls under paid and expert or you know uh, this this weird uh uh, whatever kind of combination (laughs) that you come up with right some funky hybrid yeah yeah and and then that's the thing about with all content the these aren't like strict types uh, strict definitions mix and match play with them right uh, you know right. just just in this talk i've talked about how in foolish university we have all sorts of content inside there stuff i've created stuff guests have created users have created and staff have created it, it's got this whole mix going on in there i right. i say you know find out what works best for you 
And I think that's really kind of, that was one of the main things we wanted to bring to our listeners today was to get their brains thinking about where else they could, or and how else they could create content for their sites that they didn't have to do it all themselves, that that there are plenty of other options out there if you're facing that that burnout or there's an area that you want to bring to your, your members and you don't have the personal expertise, you don't have to go become an expert in WordPress installations. Uh, you can find someone else to create that content for you, either license it, have one of your members do it, um, the guest or expert interview, ex- uh, 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 there's a lot of other options. Right, right. So the, the big lesson to, to remember is you have to make sure it's valuable. That out of anything that you do in, in these different types of content, make sure it's valuable because re, uh, you're, you're exchanging value for value. And mm-hmm. so that has to be top of mind no matter what you do. Right. And that, that that whole role as a curator, that you're looking for quality and value and that more, even more value actually decreases. You know, there's that law of diminishing returns. You pile too much on. And even though it's fantastic stuff, if your users are just overwhelmed or your subscribers are overwhelmed, it, it loses value. Right. Because now they feel guilty that they're not consuming it. So then they're going to say, oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to drop out because I mm-hmm. can't keep up. It's all just too good. <laughs> right, right. That I don't that I don't want to waste it, so I won't pay for it, and I won't consume right. it, and I'll leave. Uh, right, or they'll take a break to to catch up on what they have, and then thinking they're they'll come back in six months, which they may or may not do. But you don't even want to bring them to that point. Right, right. So, so, so there's this f- a balancing act, and and I think there's seldom ever a time where people have lost a members for too little content. Because uh, I think most site owners are, feel that they have to produce a lot of content. Right, uh, right. So, so I, I don't think, uh, I, I think there is a, a, a level that's too few for what people feel like they're getting, that they're paying for. But you mm-hmm. have to find that exact balance for your, yeah. uh, for your site. And that may just take time playing with, well, how much content do I issue each month? That, that sort of thing. Right. And I would even think that mostly comes in before the sale, because if you make it clear what you're you're offering and they sign up for it and then you provide them just that, then they knew how much they were getting. So it wasn't like they didn't think it was worth one audio interview a month because that's what they bought. Right. But uh, so, so but again, that's a balance you'll need to look at both on the pre-sale and sale process, as well as on the back end after their members, too. Awesome. So good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, how about a, a quick rundown of the five different types? All right. All right. Can I do my sound effects yes. again? Da, 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 da. Number one, self-created. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, paid content. Three, licensed content. Four, user-generated. Five, guest-created free content and then the subset the kind of hybrid that we were talking about is the expert interview for free and then there are different branches of all those and different uh different permutations but those are kind of the main five that you can look at for your membership site awesome and until the next time enjoy your foolish adventure you've just listened to the foolish adventure show with tim conley To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure. 